So we're going on a journey too. We're going through the book of Numbers, fourth book of the Bible. And we're up to Numbers 11. It's been a great journey and now it gets uh, not so great. Uh, first 10 chapters of Numbers, it's pretty positive. But now it's something else. So um, stick your finger in Numbers 11. But last, I think it was, no, it might have been the week before, we had our friends over for lunch, and we were having lunch, and um, he's, he kept on talking about fish, about fish, 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 and, and it was just you know, like he, he really expected fish. And even a day or two later, he's talking about fish. And then I got a text, uh, no, I saw him, and he said, um, oh, sorry, I read, I read the text wrong. My eyes are not very good. It said one-ish, not fish. <laughs> my, my eyesight's not very good either. I, I have trouble with things up close, and I have trouble with things a long way away, seeing properly. In Numbers 11 here, they actually had three, three troubles. They had trouble in the way they saw the past. They had trouble in the way they saw the present. And they had trouble in the way they saw the future. Trouble about seeing the past, seeing the present, and seeing the future. Let's read Numbers 11. Let's pray first. Lord, as we open up your word, ask that you would speak to us. Know your word is living and that you would speak to us today. This is our prayer. Uh, Your living word. Amen. Numbers 11, 1 to 17. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So that place was called Taberah, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. This, the manna was like coriander seed and it looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into loaves and it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the Jews settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servants? What have I done to displease you, that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to our ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I've found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. 
the Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I'll come down and speak with you there and I'll take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Now, a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. Then verse 32, all that day and night and all the next day the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than ten homers. Then they spread them out all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be, be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth Hatavah because there they buried the people who had craved other foods. From Kibroth Hatavah, the people traveled to Hasaroth and stayed there. So they had trouble seeing, the people had trouble seeing, seeing the past, seeing the present, seeing the future. They had trouble seeing the past properly. In general, they saw the past with rose-tinted spectacles. Verse 4, we remember the fish, the melons, the leeks, the cucumbers, the garlic. They remember the great variety of food. True. To an extent, it was true. We lived in sub-Sahel, just below the Sahel in Africa, seven years and the, um, the veggies was really seasonal. There was a time where you just could not get vegetables for a few months. So true, uh, back in Egypt, uh, they're probably eating way more variety of food. But as they viewed the past, they conveniently forgot the other things. You know, they forgot their chains, because in Egypt, they were slaves. That's what they were. They forgot about the whips, the cruelty, the oppression. They forgot that they were killing their babies back in Egypt. And it's unlikely that they had meat on a regular basis. And also, as a slave, they did not have the luxury of complaining. You don't do that as a slave. All slaves do is groan. That's all you can do as a slave, groan and moan. Heard a story of an immigrant from Russia coming to Israel during the oppressive Soviet era, and a reporter interviewed him at Tel Aviv airport, and so uh, had a number of questions, asked uh, this Russian immigrant to Israel. So first question, how was life in Russia? The immigrant replied, I do not complain. How was the housing situation in Russia, I do not complain. Uh, what about the working conditions you experienced in Russia? Again, he replied, I do not complain. They're brought exasperated and demanded, if you, if you don't complain about your life in Russia, why have you come to Israel? And the Russian immigrant retorted, because in Israel, I can complain. <laughs> And if you're, a, if you're a slave, you're still a slave. 
you can't, you know, you can't even complain as a slave. Even if you're munching on a nice piece of cucumber or garlic, if you're a slave, you're a slave. And that, by the way, is still a temptation to, to think back to your pre-Christ days and think of those little nibbles of pleasure you used to have back then. But do not forget, back then you were a slave. Controlled by sinful nature, a slave of craving, still under the control of the devil. And it was interesting where that discontent started, verse 4. It started from the fringe, from the rabble, verse 4. Probably this refers to some of the non-Israelites that had attached themselves to the desert community, the pilgrim people. And these people did not share that deep history and destiny that the called out people of God had. And so it started there on the edge, on the fringe, amongst the rabble. But man, that spread quickly. Verse 10, it spread. The discontent spread throughout the whole camp. And by verse 10, every tent had moaning and wailing coming from it. Verse 6 to 9. Yeah. So (laughs) let's be careful, though. Let's be careful how we see our past. Don't see it through rose-tinted spectacles. When you get that thought, man, that was good back then. Well, really, wasn't? Really? No, it wasn't. You were still a slave back then. Second sight problem was the way they viewed the present. The manna from heaven. It was like a kind of a cornflaky sort of thing. It would come down with the Jew daily except the Sabbath. Now, some people have tried to explain this in a, in a naturalistic sort of way, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't natural. It was supernatural. It, uh, it wasn't there before. and It wasn't there after their desert wanderings. And not only that, it came in six days, the seventh day it didn't come. So this was not something natural. This was from God. This was supernatural. And they cooked it in two ways. Verse 8, they would boil it and they would bake it. They would bake it and they would boil it. They would bake, 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 boil, boil, boil. Or boil, 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 bake, bake, bake. Or boil, 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 bake. However you mixed it up, it wasn't that exciting, you know, it was, it was a carbo-heavy, eh? It was, it was mana. And we lived in Sub-Sahel, and the, the, the food that most people ate almost all the time was this, like, millet-type stuff. It was, um, and they'd grind it, they'd pound it, the ladies would pound it in a, in a bowl, and it'd make a bit of a flour, and then they'd make a dough, and the people would eat it mid-morning, and then when the sun set, then they'd eat it again. Two, two meals, a few snacks, a little in between, but that was about it. That was it, nyeri, they called it. And they'd have a sauce with it, and um, they mostly make it out of the baobab leaves. So it was a green sauce. If they had enough money, they'd buy a magic cube and some oil, and so they have a green bowl of green sauce and this doughy stuff, and they go like that. And it was bland. I have to tell you, it was really bland. But never, I never heard anyone in seven years complain about it. They complained 
if they didn't have enough of it, but they never complained about being uh, bored of it. But in numbers here, as the people had this incredible supernatural provision from God, this miracle, what they should have expressed was incredible uh, gratitude of God's grace, their unmerited generosity of God, the favor of God given to them each morning. There it was. But you know how, what they expressed? They expressed boredom. Boredom. We never see anything but this manna. That's all we get. Verse 6. And that, by the way, is a wrong response. When God gives you something, when God is so generous and good that day after day he gives you something and it's a tool of his grace, your proper response is not boredom. It's gratitude. It should be gratitude. Thank you, God. And even if it's pretty regular, even if it's pretty reliable, your proper response is gratitude. Even if it's something like God's word that you have read before or that you have heard before, it's, don't get bored with it. Be grateful for it. Even if it's worship songs that you've heard before and sung before, don't get bored with it. Be grateful for that. Even if it's church, it's the same place, same time, same old guy up the front, don't get bored with that. Be grateful for that. Even if it's praying on a daily basis or as a group, don't get bored with that. Be grateful for that ability to do that. You know, people in Saudi Arabia, you know how they go to church? They can't. They have to get in a vehicle and pretend that it's not church and they drive around. You know, these, these things that God gives us on a regular basis, don't get bored with it. Be grateful for it. The doctrines of the church that we've had for 1,500 years that are the same. Basic orthodox faith. Beautiful orthodoxy. Don't get bored with it. Be grateful for it. Families and friends that you've known in the faith that have helped you. Don't get bored with them. Be grateful for them. How do you view those pillars of God's grace in your life? And our po, kairoto itokoto ora. Be grateful. God's unmerited generosity to you. Receive them as a blessing. And if you see them as boring, repent of that. That's not helpful. That's not good. That is a bad uh, result to that. We'll talk about that. Do you crave those momentary delights over the river back in Egypt? Or are you grateful, thankful for God's regular, reliable, predictable distribution of his grace in your life. Verse 1, right from the start, the people were complaining. Ah, ka taki, amu amu te iwi, ka korero kino, bad talk, king ataringa o ihoa, in front of the Lord, the Lord's ears. The wrong way, the desert, the other way, the desert pilgrims saw their present location and vocation, that it was bitter, 
bitter. It was bitter. It was a hard place. It was a hard task. There was heat, sand, cold, food challenges. There were antagonistic neighbors, bugs, snakes, waiting, walking. And they saw that as bitter hardships, verse 1. Hardships. That's how they saw it, but they should have not seen it as hardships. As hardship, they should have seen it as an apprenticeship. An apprenticeship. You know, when you're doing an internship, an apprenticeship, you don't expect it to be flash. You know, the benefits come later. On an apprenticeship, you dig holes. You tidy up the tools. You sweep up. You pack up. You learn some discipline. Humility of a relative a few years ago, and he started a, an apprenticeship. And then uh, he was a surfer, and then um, he didn't like having to get up the same time each morning and, and do that stuff. And so basically he threw it in, and he did other stuff and made surfboards and did it. And life is not going well for him at the moment. And I think he made a mistake. I think he should have done the apprenticeship. Don't see it as a hardship, see it as an apprenticeship. The desert called out people of God, learning things that would have huge benefits in the future, like discipline, learning things to do in a regular, consistent way, even if it's hard, even if it's repetitive. Learning discipline, one of those tools of grace that God wanted to bless his people with. I uh, have a friend, he used to be in Wellington, he's in Auckland now, his name is Kimiora. Uh, he was patched up member of the mongrel mob at the age of 16 and um, came to faith soon after that. And then in his early 20s, uh, through Te Ho Youth for Christ, they were doing short-term mission trips. And he was part of that and he went to the Philippines and uh, uh, I was I was helping him in his youth club, and he came back and I says, um, "Tell me about it. Tell me about it. what was the best thing." And he thought for a while, and he said, "You know what? For the first time in my life, I saved money. <laughs> he he never been able to save money in his life before, and he didn't think he could. And one of the things that the Lord brought into his life was discipline, and he learnt." how to save, and he believed that actually he could save, that he could have discipline in his life. And that is a blessing when God puts that into your life. And sure, discipline often comes through hard times, but it's a limited time and there's benefit and there's purpose of that. The desert was a hard place, but it was a transitional place. They should have viewed it like that. Not just the, it wasn't just the people. Even Moses got stuck here. Moses stopped seeing clearly. Verse 11. You know, I can understand that. Uh, Moses, he starts to hear that moaning. You know, um, moaning is kind of like a, a, a certain pitch. Mothers, am I right? That when they go, ah, mom, it's not fair. It, it can like do your head in. <laughs> You'd rather they pull out your fingernails. But there's this moaning and it, it gets to Moses. Uh, Ian Grant, the uh, Christian leader, 
did a lot of stuff about family. And uh, he asked, why do kids moan? And his, and his answer was, it works. <laughs> it works. It gets to Moses. And so Moses bombards God with six self-pitying questions, 11 to 15. Wants to give up, end it all. But really, Moses needed to embrace the suck, as uh, the desert, the desert saw, uh, the, the soldiers in Iraq used to say. You need to embrace the suck. Leading, moaning people is part of leadership. Leading, moaning people is part of leadership. Best book I read on sabbatical was called Leadership Pain by a man named Sam Chand. And the main thesis of the book is your ability to lead is in large part contingent on your pain threshold. How much pain can you endure? And John Calvin, the Swiss reformer, writing 500 years ago, believed that Moses carried his complaint to excess. Calvin didn't think uh, Moses should have complained to God like he did. Calvin writes this, Moses ought rather to be, have been ravished with astonishment that God had condescended to choose him to redeem his people and be the minister of his wondrous grace. Moses had enough. He wanted to die. He asked God to finish him off, verse 15. But luckily, God doesn't always answer our prayers. For Moses, God didn't finish him off. He gives him some helpers instead. Please, 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 when you're in the desert, don't see it as hardship. See it as apprenticeship. There is a purpose. God's in there with you. So the desert pilgrims, they saw the past in an untrue and unhelpful way. And they saw the present in an unhelpful and untrue way. And they even viewed the future poorly. There's a story of a tourist walking past some stonemasons, chipping away at some stones, and asked, the tourist asked one of them, what are you doing? He replied, I'm chipping this rock so that it fits. He carries on, the tourist carries on, asks another, what are you doing there? To the stonemason, he says, I'm building, I'm helping build a beautiful cathedral. They're both doing the same thing. See, but one had uh, a view, could see a perception of the future that was different. They were doing the same thing, but the view of the future was different. In reality, the big problem at this point of the desert pilgrims is they could not get past their view of the prison. They couldn't get past this to see that, see where they're going, where they're headed. They were so obsessed with the present, they couldn't look beyond that. They should have said to themselves, this is a hard place, but it's a transitional place. The desert was a corridor to the promised land, that land of, of milk and honey. That's where they were heading, that promised land, that good land. The Apostle Paul says in comparison, 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18. These little troubles, 
that we are experiencing are getting us ready for an eternal glory. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. These small and momentary troubles are getting us ready for eternal glory. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. You know, I think in our day and age, we have a tendency to fix our eyes not on the unseen, but on the seen. That's what we do. We fixate on the scene, on the present. And we need to keep saying to ourselves, yeah, this is a nice place, but it's a transitional place. It's a corridor. It's a nice place, but it's a transitional place. We need to have good long-distance sights. You know, some of those people, they didn't have that. And they ended up in a urupa, in a cemetery. You know what the name means? Kibrof Hatavla. It means craves, uh, sorry, graves of craving. Graves of craving. That's where they ended up because they could not see the future properly. They ended up in graves of craving. What a horrible name. Um, one of our kids loves two types of TV programs. She loves what is it? Um, cake making and uh, home renovation. <laughs> and uh, the other two, they kind of like those, uh, one of those car programs about fast cars and that. And, um, and sure, it's... It, you know, there's some interesting things. You know, you see some clever things, what people do with cakes, what people do with uh, cars, what people do with houses. And, you know, we, we all need pastimes and we all need to do house maintenance. And um, it's good to have hobbies. Uh, I just keep, I get this feeling every now and again and seeing the program, I think, you know what? It's actually not that important. And, you know, they get so passionate about the cake or about the house or about the car, but it's actually not that important. It's not that important. In a few years, the car will be scrap metal. Uh, The clothes will be in the rag bag. The garlic and the cake will end up in the same place. It won't be looking good. And the house will be bulldozed. It's not that important. Prophet Haggai, a thousand years after, uh, after Moses, rebukes the exiles that are coming back from Persia. And Haggai says, why do you have all this passion and energy for your own personal houses and no passion and energy for the Lord's house? What's up with that? Matthew 6, Jesus says becoming absorbed with living, with daily living, with the food and the clothes or whatever. That's what pagans do. That's how Jesus defines paganism. Being absorbed with daily needs equals paganism. But actually, the desert is a corridor to the promised land. So eat your mana, you can bake it, you can boil it, you can do whatever you want with it, you can make it into a cake, Decorate it, but actually it doesn't really matter. Keep your eyes, keep your view on the promised land. 
at the time of Jesus, 1,500 years after Moses, after providing thousands of men and women and children with free bread, John 6, Jesus says, uh, verse 43, John chapter 6, 43, stop grumbling, echoes of the desert time. Stop grumbling. 48, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. I'm the manna from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Will you eat of that manna of Jesus? Will you get bored with it? Will you keep eating it? And we have a choice. We have a choice. Don't get bored with God's daily provision for you. Be grateful for it. Keep taking it. Keep having it. Keep being grateful for it. Okay. Um, Shall we have our worship team back and we'll do that again, do one of those songs again. And um, as they come, I'll pray. Maybe we'll have our elders out the front too. And if, uh, you know, if you haven't said yes, or you've said, kind of started looking back to Egypt, or you're not content with your present, you're worried about the future, any of those things that touched, um, touched you today, let's, let's pray for that. You know, we don't want you to end up in a grave of craving. You know, I want you to end up just, Keep going on, get going towards the promised land, what that God's future, uh, Jesus' future for you. Let's stand up, eh? Let's say that today. Lord, we thank you for your uh, goodness to us, your provision, even when it's not flash, even when it's uh, just regular and reliable, and there's no um, sparks and fires and lights and things. We don't want to get bored with that. We want to accept your um, regular provision to us, your goodness to us day after day. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Um, as we finish with this, uh, people like prayer, just come up and people will um, pray with you. Amen. Bless you.